I should write this down. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets. Powered by BetSports, we are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me as always, Mr. Andy Molitor, and to weave in a third man, producer Dan is here to help us with a little college football. I guess I'll start with you, Dan. How was the other college football championship? That was this weekend, correct? Uh, it was this weekend. Uh, my assessment was I didn't want to give, I didn't want to lay that many points against a North Dakota State team who usually does well. Uh, however, my assessment was they might just get utterly demolished in this game and it might just be a coronation. And that's what ended up happening. Congratulations to Andy's alma mater, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, and John Stigelmeyer, their coach, in year 26 as the head coach of the Jackrabbits, the first national championship in program history. And to do it against the team that is the standard bearer, not only for the sport, but their conference. Like they're in the same conference as North Dakota State. They play every year. They've kind of owned North Dakota State the last, not owned them, but the, the last nine, they'd won five of the last last nine so you know a winning a, a positive winning percentage there but had never gotten over the hump should have won the national title in the spring a couple years ago their quarterback got hurt mark ranowski he was back he was awesome yesterday and i think the only negative is that or i mean maybe a positive for the rest of us is that their two star receivers the yankee twins Jaden and jackson who are six foot three inch white wide receivers uh we're gonna have to wait another year for bill belichick to draft both of them because they decided they're gonna come back they're coming, running it back. Yeah, it, was, it, was, it was fun. It was crazy to see how many people from the Dakotas mm-hmm. traveled to Frisco, Texas. And then I checked the weather for Fargo. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like, might as well go to Texas. If, if, you're, if you're a super booster of either of those programs, mm-hmm. going to Texas this, this week probably didn't seem too bad. And, yeah, it was a, it was a what I did watch, it was very nice from the uh, South Dakota State offense. And it was it's it's weird because – I mean, it, it was just like even growing up, like it was just this shitty little school that you went to if you couldn't get to the U of M, like because it was only a couple hours away. And the, when they went D1, everyone thought it was a mistake. But now it's like NDSU, SDSU has become like the Ohio State, Michigan of FCS, like two teams that hate each other, have to play each other every year. It's, it is a lot of fun. And yeah, as we get to the the actual real big boy championship, it's fun, too, because you're a you're a UGA guy. I am not a UGA guy. I grew up a Georgia fan, but when Georgia mm, when Georgia when bit. Georgia lost to Tua when Tua made the throw to Devontae Smith to win the national championship and I felt absolutely nothing, I was like, I guess this has been finally like taken out of my system and now they've won one and now they're going to win another one tonight. Spoiler alert. Uh, we're going to save that for the end of the show. But yeah, I mean, very, my brother's very excited, a little nervous, but he said he's been, he's playing with house money because they won last year. I will say like a pre-analysis of this. I think it would be a much more interesting game had Georgia lost last year. And the pressure was on Georgia as a double digit favorite to get their first national title in 42 years. But both teams are kind of playing with a little bit of house money tonight. I liked it. The house money bowl. <clears throat> but well, like you said, we'll we'll hit on that at the end. We'll touch on some other stuff first. Um, NFL was playoffs. fun. The playoffs are playoffs. not just playoffs. a wild card weekend, not a wild weekend, not a wild card weekend, a super wild card weekend. And scheduling is weird, but I mean, so much of it is 
these certain networks fight for certain teams and certain games and like uh, tough luck for the chargers, I guess you have to travel East and you get to do it on a short week. So they didn't get rewarded for, I guess, getting the five seed against the worst, you know, divisional winner in the AFC. At least it could be worse. You could be playing the chiefs bills or Bengals, I guess. But um, a lot of people in the deep dive discord and just in the chat yesterday were enjoying the price on the Jaguars being a uh, home dog. I kind of agreed with that. I, I liked the teaser there. There was a teaser. I, I made a instant, you know, kind of, what do you call it? My, my recommendation right off the bat, I gave it my seal of approval was that Chargers, uh, or excuse me, Jaguars Buccaneers teaser. I haven't bet anything yet. Uh, again, good job to Discord and the chat people for getting on Bengals early. That line is ticked up. There's a decent chance we're going to get to seven there. Um, obviously, once it's, they say, hey, guess what? Anthony Brown is starting. We're going to be at well past seven. So if you don't believe Lamar is going to play, now's the time to bet the Bengals. <clears throat> Bills, Dolphins, same kind of thing. There's a chance Tua plays. If that truly it doesn't come to fruition, that line probably takes a decent jump past 13, 14. And then uh, Niners, Seahawks, that number's perfect. I don't know. I probably won't be betting that game at all. I'll have some action eventually on this. Obviously, Drew and I will get into it on the Deep Dive Wednesday, but nothing so far, just kind of some hard leans. And I'm excited. Three days of football. I know, like, hey, we don't have Monday Night Football anymore, but tonight we have the Natty. Next week we have a kind of Monday Night Football. So it's it's nice as much as how they do this and like add extra games and the NCAA is going to make March madness, like a 90 team tournament and everything's about money. I'm like, fuck it. I love a Monday night playoff game. So let's go. Well, super wildcard weekend. Like I said, we'll get all, we'll get onto all six games on the deep dive Wednesday. And yeah, we cannot fan vote the lions in, but, yeah, as, as much awesome. as I was kind of cheering for drew. Cause he had those long shots. I've, and I'm not a Vikings fan anymore. Like, I feel nothing anymore, like Dan said. I'm still a person who hates Aaron Rodgers. So that felt good. Mm -hmm. It did feel good. And obviously, we bet the Lions on the on the lead-up to that, and we bet the Lions second half. So getting some bets home to close the regular season was awful nice. And Yeah, I think just I, it's interesting to me the Dan Campbell thing of, like, when Dan Campbell got hired – and just like the eating the kneecaps and everything, you kind of had this idea. He was like a football guy and was probably going to be like a conservative. We're going to, we're going to play good defense, blah, 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 blah. But I think the fact that Dan Campbell has been like one of the most progressive coaches in the NFL and aggressive coaches has been really fun. And I just love just saying to hell with it. We're going to go out there and just go for fourth downs and the Amon Ra taint Brown catch. And then going for it on fourth down instead of kicking the field goal and giving the ball back to Rogers, like kudos to Dan Campbell for making football fun. Yeah, we had a we had a guy, uh, buddy, in one of the chats that bet the under on the Grand Salami, which if anyone doesn't know, a lot a lot of people will do that in hockey or they have it for soccer days, but in the NFL, it's the score of every game combined, and it was like five hundred and eighty and a half. And uh, if Dan Campbell would have opted to kick that field goal and made it, it would have gone over. It ended up staying under by a point and a half on that huge total. So he loved the Dan. I love the Dan Campbell calls too. And obviously the fucking, what do you, what do we call that? A hook and ladder play. So yeah. that was a lot of fun. A lot right. of fun. Uh, I'm happy to see the Packers gone. Greetings. Shout out to Julio. Julio Villamazar. And yeah, let's, let's bet some basketball. I feel like I didn't bet much basketball over the weekend. I did some Saturday, but no NBA, man. I, I need you noobs for Too busy this. being sad about golf. <sighs> uh, yeah. 
We're not even going to talk about. I'm not. Yeah, ready we don't want to talk, talk about. about not ready to talk about Colin. Colin. And he needs therapy for that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my my full tournament matchups went two and one. So there's a little silver lining. Those are the the bread and butter of the year. I need those to continue to do well. But bread and butter. Speaking of noops, is is. The association eight months out of the year. Actually, it's probably tennis, man. But I do love I do love betting the NBA with you. It's the best. I it's, I continue to think the NBA is the best league. I wish they could figure out the schedule and how to get more of these stars playing. But it's the best athletes in the world playing the best sport in the world. And we've got six games tonight. I've got plays here in two of them. And I actually just added one here as we started the show. I was talking to our buddy in Hungary, Balaz Pal, and we've got another play that I'll add to this. But um, two totals here to get started. The Pelicans and the Wizards, congrats, you can get a better number here. I got a little punked by the market this morning. It looks like somebody woke up, pushed it down to 227 so they could bet it over back up to 229. But uh, this Pelicans-Wizards total, I have this closer to 224, 224 and a half. The Wizards without Bradley Beals, I've said several times, much better on defense, much slower pace. The Pelicans, no Zion Williams. Zion Williamson um, continue to be without Brandon Ingram. That does limit the offense. And again, they want to keep these games slow to try to deal with having you know less players in the roster here and keep these guys from playing too many high-pressure minutes. Again, it's just a really nice spot. The matchup looks like a nice under spot here, given the way both teams play defense. The Pelicans rely a lot on turnovers. The Wizards have been pretty solid with that this year. So hard for me to figure out how this game gets up into the 230s, high 220s, honestly. So I played under 227 earlier. You can get under 229 right now. Bucks Knicks over 221. This one's a 221 and a half. That's fine. 222 is probably okay here. Again, kind of another funky spot where if you look at the first two matchups, you know, for one game would have gone over this number, one game under this number. Um, the pace was fairly slow in that second game. I expect a little bit of a bounce back there, and it looks to be kind of like the market is basing the number here off the second game, whereas it was about a few weeks ago, I think almost a month ago, honestly, at this point, when they last played. The Knicks have been much better, especially at home tonight. Thought about just playing the Knicks team total over, but in general, I had this game closer to 225, almost 226. So anything 222 or higher looks good. And then one to add, I just literally bet this a few minutes ago, the Chicago Bulls plus eight and a half. We'll take them as underdogs tonight against a Boston Celtics team that has struggled to cover big numbers, has really been poor without Marcus Smart. So happy to take them tonight. The Bulls have actually beaten the Celtics twice already this year. Somehow they played three times, but it's been a really nice matchup for Chicago now. Uh, maybe a little hesitant to see what uh, Robert Williams could do in this matchup. He was really good against the Bulls last year, but I had this number closer to six and a half, seven. So happy to grab eight and a half now. So two totals and a surprise underdog for those that are listening. Yeah, bonus surprise bet. I like that. I don't usually <clears> – <throat> actually, I do that all the time with deep dives. Like, yeah, oh, I guess we're betting this right now. Uh, we'll just bet that. Yeah. We'll bet that. That kind of happens quite a bit with uh, – Just go with football. the momentum. Some, sometimes somebody – What are we here to not bet on stuff? Honestly, sometimes it's not even Drew. Sometimes it's the chat that talks me into something that I've been leaning pretty hard into. It's like, yeah, fuck it. It's a bet. Which did kind of happen with the uh, – two of my unders this weekend weren't – Super strong looks until I started digging in and doing some content around it. And uh, that Jets under, I'm like, can I just keep going back to the well on these Jets unders? And honestly, they, they haven't scored a touchdown in three weeks. So apparently the answer is, yes, we can keep going back. I'm, I'm actually sad they're not in the playoffs so we can keep that gravy train. It's been a couple of those gravy trains this year. Denver was one six. quite a while. Is that yeah. Storagami? 11-6, it was the second, only the second time 11-6 has ever yeah. been. I, they came across my Twitter timeline yesterday. 
I definitely seven, seven, one of you two thousand was the only other eleven to six game in the NFL. I definitely meant to. I meant to check that, and I never did. So I'm glad I got closure on that. It feels like it should have been. It was not. right. Uh, real quick for Corey in the chat. Uh, I, if you go to the deep, if you go to deep dive pod on Twitter, uh, the pinned tweet is also the. Uh, I think that might be expired. Twitter. No, I, I should have changed it to a, where okay. I should have changed it to make it universal. Sorry. All right. Um, college hoops, not a big slate as it obviously is a Monday. And it's one of those where a lot of the, <clears throat> God, the two worst conferences in the, in the country play always on Monday. The mm. MEAC yeah. and the SWAC, what? two of the worst conferences always. These are two teams that whoever wins this conference is well, certainly playing. System. Yeah, these are 16 seeds. These are the 16 seed kind of things. Like it almost never happens that even one of these can move up to a 15. So bad conferences, but obviously right up my alley. <laughs> and I only have one look today. The the uh, Arkansas Pine Bluff Golden Lions. Uh, I'm never That's gonna forget college this. sports. Yeah, never gonna forget Those this Lions mascot in Arkansas. Yeah, it's 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 the one with the though. with the letters in the main. The main spells out the name of their logo. UAPB in the main of the Lions. So if nothing else, great logo. But getting three and a half at home, and yes, they're one of the worst teams in the country. And yes, they haven't played all that well. And yes, they have the worst offense in their entire league. But the defense, and this is a this is going to be a defensive game. Both of these teams play pretty good defense. And truthfully, it's hard to judge some of these teams. So as I mentioned, the SWAC and the MIAC, um, who do you think they play in non-conference? You know, they're going to sit and play all the good teams because the good teams play these horseshit teams as like warmups. So the, the strength of schedules that these teams have every year is just obscene. And right now, the Arkansas Pine Bluff, as it stands, have the second toughest schedule played in the entire country. So I do have to give them a little bit benefit of the doubt on that on that super low-ranked offense. I think they can play a little better, and they certainly can do it against another just kind of a shitty team in Prairie View A&M, who's like, I mentioned their defense is good, but they have a pretty bad offense as well. This is going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. If you look at some of the, the sites, it's it has this as like a, a game where both teams end up around 70. I don't know if that happens. Like, honestly, there's probably a decent case for this under as well. Neither team shoots the three ball very well. Neither team does, honestly, anything that great on the offensive side. I just have Arkansas Pine Bluff closer to a pick in this one. So getting three and a half felt pretty good, and that's it for the day. Just the one. Not a big slate. I was, you need sometimes, as long as it's a winner. I was trying to figure out when the last time this, a SWAC team wasn't a 16 seed, and I couldn't find it. So if you know, drop oh, it in the chat. You'd have to go back. Like there, there were some grambling teams that were okay forever and ever and ever ago, but, but like, no, it's been a 16 seed for a, for a very long time. Um, where does that leave us? All right, bets. We have tennis right, right, and, and match bets. We have, uh, we were trying to decide when the draw for, <laughs> we know that the draw for the Australian open is Thursday and we know it'll be in Australia, which makes sense. So we know the time difference. So there's a half of a chance that the draw happens early in the morning because it'd be like late afternoon there. We might have the draw by Thursday, which would be fun as we analyze it live in the air. We'll go tennis heavy on Thursday since we don't have Thursday night football anyway. So I'm excited. Hopefully the draws are out early. But 
as everyone waits for that, they're playing a shitload. There's like eight tournaments of uh, tennis right now between awesome. the men's and the women. It's just wild that tennis starts the season this way every single year to come in with uh, not just, you know, the Australian Open in week three, week four of the season. Again, one of the four most important events. I don't, again, it's hard for me to think of any other sport where that has that kind of dynamic. But at the same time, like you said, there's 500s, a lot of 250s this week, a lot of chances for you to get down under, get a little warmed up and get ready. So we'll continue here. Um, two tournaments this week in Adelaide. We'll start there. It's just Adelaide 2. They didn't try to come up with funny names for it this year. Um, try to call it like the Yara Valley Classic or something. So just Adelaide 2. And again, a couple outrights. The tournament started last night, but just about everywhere has these open again. Um, a pretty short number. It's not often that I bet somebody this short in WTA tournament, but Veronica Kudermatova has been playing fantastic tennis over the last second half of the year. It's really pushed herself up into kind of the top 10, top 15, has all the reason in the world to, to want to win this tournament again we'll be preparing for the australian open but there's plenty of time um especially if you make the finals of this tournament they do a good job of giving you a couple days before your round one match there's breaks off in between so not too worried about her level of effort here has a great spot a draw um victoria as here in the first round we'll talk about that match in a second i'm going to double down and take her in that match as well and once she gets past that she'll be a prohibitive favorite i believe all the way up until the semifinals where you know maybe it's caroline garcia maybe it's belinda Benchich, but uh, you know maybe they're not locked in. The two of them have a history of not doing as well in some of these lead-up events. So, like Kudermatova here at ten to one, Hatter is the favorite to win the tournament, closer to six to one. And then Annette Contivate, who um, came into the season a little bit of an injury and generally does better indoors, is twenty-five to one at a few places, which is just kind of a wild number to me. Had this closer to fifteen. Again, needs the opportunity to build up some form here before the U.S. Open. Um, we'll have kind of a tight first match, but expect her to get through that. And again, maybe runs into Samsonova, but not really much there between her and the finals of this tournament if she's playing good tennis. And again, one of the few players in this field that has the motivation. That's what you're trying to figure out this week. You know, who's going to kind of give you their all. And in the other tournament, Hobart, again, a smaller tournament, a lot of fun names in here. And one that sticks out to me, Jasmine Paolini. Not that she's not going to try in the Australian Open, but this is a tournament she has a chance to win. And expect her to give her absolute best tennis. Had a great first match. 6-3-6-1 into the second round comfortably. Really not a match where I expect her to be an underdog until, again, the semifinals, maybe even the finals, depending on how that goes. So as a short favorite, pretty much all the way through, 20-1 to looks like a great number. So three outrights. you got to get these in before probably 6, 7 o'clock Eastern. That is when things start up again. I like the, that's the other thing about the time change. you got a lot of time. you got time to play these. And... Before we move to the national championship, like I was going to do, let's make some bets on the actual matches tonight. So again, tonight, everything starts around 7 o'clock or so Eastern. It's great. There's NBA. There's tennis. And again, it's fun to have time to actually do this stuff as opposed to be waking up early and trying to see what happened and all the people in Europe did to these lines. But um, four matches I like. I believe all of them are tonight. Zdenevska might be a little bit tomorrow. We'll start in Adelaide. Short underdog here, Katarina Siniakova. Going up against Anastasia Potapova. Um, you know, pretty much that Spider-Man meme of the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other of a match. Two women with a lot of power, comfortable at net, highly variable play here. Um, this match should absolutely be a pick em. Um, Had Siniakova even as a small favorite, honestly, given her form recently uh this match should be pretty wild but happy to take honestly anybody in this match at plus 110 give me Cindy cobra right now again have her as a small favorite 
Veronica Kudermatova, as I mentioned, playing great tennis, comes up against Victoria Azarenka, who did get us a couple times last week, was kind of impressed with what Vika has done. But again, generally, historically, even at her best, um, doesn't do well the week before a Grand Slam. I think Kudermatova puts her away comfortably. Um, this number kind of interesting. It opened up around minus 150 and got pushed out to minus 180, minus 185, and it snapped all the way back to this number. So I'm curious to see kind of what's going on. Maybe somebody knows something I don't. But at the end of the day, I expect this to be a pretty comfortable win by Kudermatova. I had this closer to minus 175 myself. And Hobart, two big underdogs here. Um, Lucia Bronzetti comes in um, in fairly good form against Anna Blinkova. Again, Blinkova should be the favorite here in this match, but had it closer to plus 150 here for Bronzetti as opposed to the plus 190 we're getting. Um, in pretty good form, I believe she came in as a qualifier. And another woman who did come in here qualifying, Marina Zinevska, goes up against Elise Mertens. This is Mertens' first match since, I believe, October, maybe November, since she played tennis. Very good. And another situation, both of these, you know, um, a lot of times I'll take the spread, but stick with just the money lines in these two spots. You know, if Blinkova and Mertens play their best tennis, these are going to be pretty comfortable wins for them. So no interest in the plus four, plus three and a half, cheap, expensive plus four and a half that are floating out there. So a couple big underdogs and a couple closer, a uh, small underdog and even a favorite. What the heck? Even a favorite? Not a big favorite like tonight, though. Got a massive favorite. I don't know. I, I tend to... I tend to believe in, I tend to believe in these underdogs, but I don't know. I, I believe they'll score points. I just real quick before Dan actually goes into real analysis, I asked Dan actually, and then I talked to some other people separately about the natty. I wanted to bet. This was like last week. I ended up betting the over, and my my analysis on TCU was they clearly have a wide receiver one and a running back one, but they're also kind of deep. Like, everybody else on the offense is good. They have other guys that can just step up. So I don't think even – and Georgia's defense obviously struggled a little last week. Even, you know, in the second half of the uh, SEC title game, they they let some points in. So they've let some points in, and you can't just go take away one guy and stop this TCU offense. So as much as I think TCU might get the shit kicked out of them, I still think they score 30 points. I think this is like a just like an absolute points fest, which would be super fun. Maybe I'm talking myself into some alt overs at this point, but I just don't see this. I don't see them stopping Georgia enough. So maybe they sneak inside the 12 and a half, but I don't think they win. Yeah, I, that's kind of my now. So when after watching the Peach Bowl and watching Georgia struggle to stop Ohio State, who admittedly like high end talent level, higher end than TCU, but by the end of that game, Ohio State was pretty depleted at their skill position at their skill positions, really like Marvin Harrison jr. Got hurt late in that game. So like Emeka Egbuka was really the only proven receiver they had their tight end. Kate Stover got hurt. Mayan Williams was their only like close to healthy, decent running back. And he wasn't that healthy. And Chris Fowler body shamed him during the game for being fat because he got put on some pounds because he was hurt. So like, yeah, TCU's skill guys are the on paper. It seems like they're deeper, but I'm with Andy. I just, I don't know how they're going to stop a Georgia offense. That's been extremely efficient. I think the, the number one uh, offense and uh, passing success rate, their top 15 and rushing success rate, Kenny McIntosh has been running the ball exceptionally well. And this TCU defense has kind of had a bend but don't break kind of thing all year. They forced a bunch of turnovers against Michigan in key situations. Like they got the whatever Harbaugh was doing, calling that uh, 
the Philly special on the goal line. They had the fumble after what should have been a touchdown. They had two pick sixes. I mean, they really, and they still ended up scoring what, like 40 something points in that game. Although TCU did turn the ball over a couple of times themselves. So I'm with Andy there. Like I, I like the over it's ticked up. I gave it out last week on the show. It was 60. I gave it out at 62, 62 and a half. It's, it's ticking up towards 63 and a half, and it's probably only going to go higher, I think, today. I think people really want to bet that. My instinct is to think that Georgia's going to cover this game, but I really don't have a strong position on it. So what I wanted to do, in, in the spirit of it being a Monday night, and because the NFL, we're not going to have any more, uh, at least first touchdown scores on the show this year, unless Noobs wants to pop some in early, uh, I decided I was going to put together some first touchdown scores for this evening, so... Uh, I have four picks for first touchdown odds. You can see the books uh, there on the side. It's going to start with Adonai Mitchell or A.D. Mitchell, depending on uh, what the, the books should just list him as Adonai. They call him A.D. Uh, he missed most of the season this year. He played the first couple of games and then got, or he played against Oregon, got hurt, only played one other game, I think, in the regular season. But he did return in the Peach Bowl. He had a touchdown catch in that game last year in the national or last year at 29 catches, four touchdowns, 14.7 yards per catch. And he had a touchdown in the national championship game to back up for a second. Kenny McIntosh and Brock Bowers are chalk. They're both about plus 650 ish wherever you might want to look. I understand it. Like Kenny McIntosh is going to be able to run. Brock Bowers is their top target, but I don't really want to play as plus 650. Like I've learned enough from noobs over the, over the years to not really want to play those. So I'm not going to play it. I totally understand that. And then the other receiver I'm going to play Savion Williams from uh, TCU plus 3,100 at FanDuel. He's actually, so Quentin Johnson is their go-to guy. And I think that Georgia's game plan in the past game is going to try to take Quentin Johnston away. And I think Quentin Johnston, outside of Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jordan Addison from USC, is probably the third best receiver in college football. He's that good. But I do think the game plan is going to be to take him away. I think Tay Barber is their most consistent second option. I know some people are really high on his props. But for first touchdown, Tay Barber's 1,900 and Savion Williams is 3,100. They have the same number of red zone targets this year. He's got one more touchdown than Tay Barber, although Tay Barber's have come more recently uh, than that. Uh, the only player with more touchdowns in the red zone is Jared Wiley, who's the tight end, but he hasn't had a touchdown since late October and only one red zone target over the last seven games. So if you're looking for a long shot there, Savion Williams is the guy I like at 3,100 there. And then I've Noobs knows that you got to take the quarterbacks. You have two pretty mobile quarterbacks here. Both quarterbacks, Stetson Bennett, Max Duggan, have eight rushing touchdowns this season, so they are guys who can definitely move. Uh, I don't know that uh, that TCU is going to be able to move the ball on Georgia on the ground uh, with uh, M.E.D. Marcado and Kendra Miller, who is a game-time decision. They said he was 50-50. Uh, and they said if they're going to leave it up to him if he's going to play. So he's going to play, but who knows how effective he is. Max Duggan's probably their best running threat in this game. So give me Adonai Mitchell, Savion Williams, and both quarterbacks there. Another name that I think people are going to kind of be looking at is Darnell Washington, the Georgia tied, the Georgia's other tight end, who you can get around 20 to 1 right now. He's a Vegas native. The game's in LA. It's the closest he's ever been to getting to play at home. But he did injure his ankle in the Peach Bowl, and they said he's going to be a game time decision tonight. So that scares me off a little bit. He's also even even though he's six foot seven and a massive human being, not a massive red zone target for them, but that's going to be another name that comes up that if he plays, maybe I don't hate, but just the ankle injury kind of scares me off uh, as far as the game. Yeah. I just think that this is going to be George's night again. I, they're playing. We talked about earlier house money. They won the title last year. The talent discrepancy is pretty big, at least George's offense versus TCU's defense. So I like Georgia. My instinct is to to play Georgia in the points. If, if it comes down some more, although it looks like it was ticking back up 
I, I think it was out to 13 and a half at FanDuel. So seems like some money's coming in on Georgia, at least there. Uh, I'm just rooting for points. I think we'll get some points. But on the blogger bowl, I said 42, 28 Georgia. I'm going to stick with that as my pick. I'm going, I'm going 43, 28. <clears throat> I'm going to one up you there. So, yeah, I'm with you. I want points. I'm going to play those first. I'm going to go look, see what I have. I've never really bet first touchdown scorer in NCAA. I'm assuming the same books I normally use. I'm going to go hunt at them and, and look National for that. National championship then, game. It's up. Kind of as we'll close with uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Gonzo. Oh, Done. he got the axe. I didn't think. We're time to spend on that couch. Yeah. I didn't think they had money to do it, but um, it's a really, and I think deep dive because we only have six games to talk about. We'll get into the coaching carousel a little, but that's a really interesting spot. It's like, how much do you want to go coach at a team with a quarterback coming off a major injury at that? you get blamed for still when you, when you play bad this year. So that'll be a, that'll be a fun one to ponder over the next couple of days, but Kingsbury gonzo future Quiet Alabama, Monday. future Alabama offensive coordinator, Cliff Kingsbury. That kind of feels like the career path that we're headed down. If Bill O'Brien leaves or gets another gig, but every third tweet, Dan is that comment. Is it? Oh, really? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. funny. Yeah, Nick Saban's cool for wayward boys, as we like to call it on, on the college football internet. Yeah, yeah, it's a miss, miss, uh, the island of misfit toys. Exactly. You just head there and your career's all of a sudden better. Bingo. So, all right, you guys. Happy Monday. Happy National Championship Monday. We'll be back all week to do more of this. Like I said, lots of tennis this week with the Aussie. Lots of playoff football stuff. And obviously lots of basketball. So thank you, producer Dan, Alex Christensen. And thank you, Andy Molitor. You're looking very dapper today. We'll catch you guys here tomorrow, same danger time, same danger place. 